All right, welcome everybody into another episode of the Journeyman Podcast. I'm Ben Fleming. He's the gorgeous red-bearded wonder, Mr. Dan Straley. Dan, this is our 64th episode. And for our 64th episode, we are jumping back into what was a staple of season one of the Journeyman, and that is we get to highlight and center an entire session, an entire podcast around one of the stops along your journey. Are you ready to jump in to the Lote Giants episode. Let's go. Even though you shaved and you've changed. I have. I'm so I apologize. Uh for all the viewers that thought I was an older man out there. Uh I'm looking a lot younger right now, but that'll last for about another week. The trim of the beard, making the wife happy every once in a while. You got to do some of that stuff. Dan, a couple years ago, this whole thing started for me. I think I've referenced it once or twice, but this whole thing started for me in your old house after the completion of a season with the Baltimore Orioles, where you ended up with the Philadelphia Phillies organization. And I sat down and I said, Dan, what's going on? Where are you going next? And you said, well, we kind of thought about this and thought about that. We actually think the best opportunity is coming from South Korea. And I was blown away uh, as big of a baseball fan as I am. I hadn't really spent that much time on the KBO and understanding that. And before you know it, you're headed to spring training in Australia. Do you remember the feeling of those first couple nights when you were engaging in the, in the decision, the potential decision, and then you had made the decision to head across the world to play in the KBO? I do. And believe it or not, Ben, that was a pre-COVID world. Like, don't even know what that would feel like at this point. Um, yeah, dude, uh, we sat down after that year. I was still like, I was clearly walking and moving around, but I was coming off of my first ever surgery. Um, and we were just trying to figure out what life looked like. You know, it'd been a whirlwind of a year. Um, and we uh, got to a point where we were trying to figure out what, uh, what we were going to do. And when these guys came over and just said, Hey, you want to come over here and take a guaranteed spot? Like, Oh, and you get to go to Australia for this. Oh, and we'll fly your family back and forth to Korea. Mm -hmm. Oh, and we'll pay for your apartment. You're just like, I've just spent the last year, like getting bounced around and basically just lied to and being told what I was wanted to hear, not what I needed to hear and all these different things. And it was just like, all of a sudden someone's just like, Hey, why don't you just come over here? You'll start opening day and probably have a lot of fun, maybe some success and you'll probably love it. And just remember it was not an easy decision and um, one we didn't take lightly. And quite frankly, one we had a whole different plan for than ended up happening because as I mentioned before, as soon as I got there, this thing called COVID popped up. So you make the decision to do that. And next thing you know, you're headed to Australia for spring training, which is a completely different experience, right? There's wildfire, there's wildfires in Australia. Yes. And then a pandemic hits official official while you're still in Australia. And wasn't there a time when you were like wondering if you were going to be stuck in Australia? And then it was like, no, I might actually go back home. But yeah. then I might go oh, yeah. get stuck at home. What was all that about again? Well, they gave, they gave us the old, uh, what we now call the Korean surprise. Um, but we had a, a situation pop up where they were like, hey, um, you know, we, we our season's going to be delayed in Korea. 
we're going to fly. It was all three of us, me, Dixon and Adrian. Like we're going to fly you guys back to America. You guys can go spend some time with your families. And then whenever we have some clarity, we'll fly you guys back out to Korea. We're like, that sounds like a lot, but okay. I go to bed that night. I call Amanda and Jackson, tell them I'm coming. Wake up the next day. The pandemic hit the United States literally that night. And it was like exploded in America and everything started getting shut down immediately. And the team called us back and was like, Hey, um, you know, I, I don't know if you, can you guys not go? We don't want you guys to get stuck in America. And then they proceeded to come up with a, you know, a, a strategy to talk us down. And we were just like, no, we're good. And then they, uh, they, they, they used, they, they told the media basically that we were like, Oh, you know, I, I, you know, I really want to go see my family, but I would hate to get stuck there. So I choose to stay here with my teammates. They like spun it to some really positive thing for us. And we were like, eh, actually we all really were pretty disappointed. And they even told us if we don't want to come into work tomorrow, go ahead and stay home. You know, and we we're just like, eh, okay. And so I, I was okay. Um, it, it stunk. Cause I thought I'd, you know, I thought I was gonna see my family soon after that. Anyway, I didn't know I had eight and a half more months to go, but um, Adrian Sampson's father was, uh, was, was losing a battle with cancer. And so, mm. um, he really, I really wish for him that they would have, they would have let us go back. Um, he ended up going home a few weeks later anyway, but, uh, just to say his goodbyes, but it was, it was a struggle to watch him. It was hard to watch him struggle as a, a new friend, but a friend, I mean, you, you crammed two guys in the same hotel not the same hotel room so we did have some privacy but the same hotel for that long mm. uh and and people around us spoke english but you know the majority of the time that at work that you know there's only three of us that, that spoke english well um well we learned there was more and they were called translators but at first you know we just it was just <laughs> us and um it was just you know you get to know each other real fast um but yeah no it was there was a wild time looking back at it uh i got to see some kangaroos go to some australian wine country um, I was in Adelaide, Australia, the, the city of churches. And we got to watch some like their version of like formula one racing. Mm. They had like some crazy festival in town. Cause it's midsummer for them, even though it was, uh, it was February. And I just remember, I think one of my favorite parts of that was actually waking up every morning and going for this like 20 to 30 minute jog along the beach, just throw some headphones in. No one I know back in America is awake. So it's just me get up, go for a jog, come back, take a shower, walk downstairs to a continental breakfast and go to work, you know, living the dream. I remember you referencing in a positive light because so many of my questions at the time were like, well, what about the language barrier? And you're going to have brand new teammates. And I mean, Dan, you're going to wear a, a brand, a uniform that you've never worn before, right? Like what about the comfort and the, uh, and I remember your response being something like, it's actually creating more of a bit of a laser focus because there's less of a social element, even though the social element has gotten more difficult. It kind of gave everything, gave you a reason to focus a little bit more on you and to pay attention a little bit more on your pitch performance and your mental health. Do you still see, especially that early time in Korea as a bit of a transformational time where you did get to overly dedicate yourself to you again. And do you feel like you were kind of reborn and remade as a pitcher in that time? I, I really do. Um, and it was, 
odd, it, honestly, like going from being here every day with my family, um, being around them, being a dad, being a husband to just like, just being myself and just being a baseball player, even more. I was in this like routine of like, get up, work out, get ready, go to practice, come back, finish the workout or finish the recovery, take a shower, play some video games, eat some dinner, watch some TV and go to bed. And it was like, there was nothing other than us in baseball. Like there was nothing else to do. And I had a, I had a laser focus because I knew that I was there to work on something and they did a great job, especially at first of just putting us, you know, bringing all of us to a foreign country. Um, and you have nothing else to do, but focus on your job and focus on baseball. And I've, I've realized that a lot of those guys use that as an opportunity for like a vacation, but like not all of them, but it's kind of, it's just really, it's cool to, to be in that environment where there was nothing else mm-hmm. but my career to work on. So then you end up in South Korea, the pandemic is in full swing, uh, especially in South Korea, that kind of really locked everything down almost immediately. And so you, you're ushered into this city, you're quarantined, you're, um, Oh, we weren't, no, we weren't quarantined when we first got there. That was the you thing weren't. right. At, no, that was the thing right after we first got like probably okay. three weeks after we landed quarantines became a thing. Okay. But still, still. Yeah. So it's, I mean, no, not only is it not like the beginning of any baseball season that you've ever, ever been a part of, but you're in a, a completely different city and that city is completely different from what it normally is. And you kind of ease into this thing. And before you know it, ESPN has bought the rights to the KBO because the KBO is the only sports league in the world actually able to start up, not at the normal time that it would normally have started up, but a few months later, still before everybody else. And ESPN is doing your games. John Shambi's talking about the journeyman podcast HBO Real Sports is coming out to your apartment in South Korea. What was what was all that like to feel like all the attention was on you when you were so sure that you were making a decision that was going to hide you for a couple of years, right? And now you're the only show in town. I mean, we talked about it where I thought I was going to go hide, put my face to the, the grindstone and, and just work on baseball. And all of a sudden, you know, I am on every other radio show I was on ESPN uh, is it called get up the early morning show. And then I was on HBO stuff. I was on all that stuff was just super unexpected, but like it kind of like all of a sudden put me in this place where it was like, okay, everyone knows I'm over here now and they're all watching. Like you better perform. Like, you mm. better show up to pitch. Um, because everything was like set up for failure with we were playing games in front of nobody like cold cold games to start the season off in front of nobody and you're just like uh this is awkward and hard to focus Mm -hmm. but no there's a lot of a lot of millions of people are gonna be watching this game back in america tomorrow morning like you better you better stay focused your kid um so things like that were great um totally unexpected we talked about all the time like really didn't know i was gonna have this platform I mean, we turned in this podcast has been a part of that platform that we right. realized, you know, we kind of had and, and, you know, it's really, you know, the, the original roots of it, or let's just get on here away for you and I to connect and 
hang out still being this far apart and just kind of helped me with my mental health of, of a pandemic being over there and all these weird things. And, um, but yeah, getting back to the original, you know, what we were talking about landing in South Korea, driving through this whole like country. I remember just all of us just being like wide eyed, just like, where are we? Like these buildings are massive. This is crazy. We land and immediately we're just on this, like, overgrown on this like beautiful bridge and it's just like all this massive city that i've never seen anything like it in my life and like you say we get down there and i'm getting asked all these questions espn hbo all this stuff and like i have no idea if we're even going to be having games if we're even going to be having what's going on but we were like the model of what to do because we were getting ready to start playing baseball and so it was uh it was a lot of fun and i think it was cool to to be a part of that transition um, I think I would have loved to have been part of the KBO without all of this, but yeah. at the same time, um, you know, I'll forever have been a part of COVID seasons in Korea. <laughs> well, it's still one of the biggest bummers. You never got to play in front of a full stadium, right? No. What was, the, what was the biggest capacity you got to play in front of? 30 something percent, I think, or maybe a 50% in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, but not, not a hundred. You never got a song, never got a full stadium, never uh, any of it, never got to pitch in the postseason. Um, that was, I remember just that being part of the marketing of, yeah, it'll be a, a league that we're not used to, but that doesn't mean it's not dynamic and great and incredible. And the people just eat baseball every single day, they love it. And to miss out on that fan experience. I still think is a huge bummer that could have been uh, just a once in a lifetime kind of thing, but you did have an incredible season, especially in, in 2020, right? You had a 2.5 ERA. You went 15 and four in the win loss column and you struck out more than anybody on planet earth that season with 205 strikeouts. You only allowed 10 home runs, 205 strikeouts, 51 walks. And really I, it was the season you were looking for, right? That was everything I think that you could have wanted considering everything that we just talked about. You're going to put your nose to the grindstone, remake yourself a bit as a pitcher, right? That was that was the dream type season, right? Yeah, it was. It really was. Um, everything kind of went our way. There was like a few bad games in there the whole year. I want to say like most of the months I was like under a two ERA and I had one month of like a four and a half. And that's why I ended up where I ended up. But like the, it was a lot of fun, man. It really was. Um, again, tough. We played in front of nobody. It was quiet. It was weird. I, I could hear things coming out of the dugouts and would like yell at people because I could hear what they were saying. Like usually can't hear any of that stuff. And um, just kind of really weird dynamics. We were all learning how to, we were, you know, we're all learning how to play baseball in this weird environment together um, but it was a lot of fun. It was really fun to experience these things for the first time to experience some of the stadiums and experience just the different hotels and the different everything, because the best advice I got going into this whole thing was that, you know, you're going to the KBO, like don't, but don't expect it to be the big leagues. Cause it's not. And to get to actually live that and see that and to be humbled by that experience, I think uh, in a lot of ways was, uh, it was a lot of fun and yeah, our team was, we were rough, but um, had a lot of personal success that year. And mm. um, looking back at it after the second year there, I remember one of the one of the guys that I worked with was just like, man, like 
to, to do what you did with the defense we have um, last year was really impressive. And even the second year to do what we did with the defense I had was, was pretty impressive. And I was just kind of like, man, you're right. Like, you know, we made a lot of really good plays behind me that first year and uh, a lot of stuff like that, but it was just kind of like nothing, nothing missed, nothing, nothing ever went wrong. There was never any of those, those moments that happened in the second year there that you're just like sitting there scratching your head at, like, how did, how did that just happen type of thing? Um, none of that really ever happened my first year there. And with all that came, I think a little bit of fatigue, I guess I'll project onto you based on conversations that we had. I mean, I was fatigued at the time, so I might just be definitely projecting on you, but it got dark sometimes. Right. And I would say in both seasons, but especially that second season, not particularly in a baseball sense, but you had family over and then family went back. The pandemic kind of dug its heels in again and got more difficult Um, quarantining with your whole family when they did come over for the second season with Jackson in a hotel room for two weeks or however long that it was. It was two weeks, might as well be two months with a a kid that age, right? Yeah. it got real dark and tough and difficult in the process. But with that, what do you think was maybe the most pleasant surprise of heading over there? Was it coaches or some players that you met along the way? Was it that performance in both seasons that uh, you pitched so well? What was the most pleasant surprise that kind of came out from a lot of the rough edges? I think just getting Amanda and Jackson over there and the ability to experience, even during a pandemic, getting to experience that kind of culture and that kind of stuff was amazing because part of the stuff that we felt was really missing from the first year was that they didn't get to see it. Mm -hmm. I could sit there and talk about all these things, but they never got to experience it. And so that second year for the, you know, for the first five months when they came, I was just absolutely like head over heels, like happy with like how things happen, mm-hmm. how we like ended up like getting to experience all these things, uh, the hikes, the, the beaches, the restaurants, the Jackson going to Taekwondo, Jackson going to school, uh, getting hit, letting him get a chance to see uh, games, get all this kind of stuff. And uh, by the way, I don't know if you ever realized this right after they left, we mm-hmm. lost fans. Like fans weren't allowed to come back to games for yeah, that's right a long time. So like literally like a week after they left, like we lost fans. So we couldn't have picked a better time for them to take off because it would have been it would have been really hard because without games and without you know anytime there was like no school, like it's tough to be in a foreign country with a little kid like ours with that kind of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he just wants to talk and he wants to talk to everybody and he wants to play and he wants to show you show everybody everything. And when he tries to show kids something and they just stare at him and he comes to me and is like, Hey daddy, how come they don't, you know, how come they're not talking back? And like, you know, it was tough like that. Those things were tough, but getting them over there and letting them experience it was probably the biggest like joy I got out of the whole thing. Okay. A couple of final questions as we wrap up this, uh, well, we're not going to say the final stop. It's the most recent stop on the journey of the journeyman. What is the most, let's not say best, because that can get weird. What, who, who's the most memorable teammate or opposing player? The most memorable player that you ran into in your two years playing for the Lote Giants? Probably Ideho. I mean, honestly, Seattle Mariner legend. 
yeah. um, low take great um it was a lot of fun to just see to see how the best player of all time basically uh lives and how he does things and what he does and um you know he's he's just awesome you know there's times where he's just in there just chilling on his phone playing video games and then he'd walk out and hit a homer and come back in and just be like, I got lucky. Told you. <laughs> you know, just like things like that. Or he'd just be sitting there and, and he spoke really, he spoke really good English and he definitely understood almost everything we said. Um, but just to, uh, just to watch like the way he carried himself and just how polite and how nice he was to us uh, as foreigners, even though, you know, he doesn't really have to be like, he's, he can do whatever he wants. So I think just because I got to see him every day for two years, um, I would say he's probably one of the, the most memorable. Thing you're going to miss the most about playing in South Korea? Uh, maybe just uh, the food delivery service. <laughs> Super deep here. It was legendary. Um, I'm really bummed I never got to experience it. Hey, no matter where you are in the country, you can just pull up your phone and be like, ah, I want this. And it's probably close to you. And it'll probably be there in 20 minutes. Um, and that was big time when you don't feel comfortable leaving your hotel room to yeah, go that's for search sure. for food. I mean, every time I walk into a convenience store to get water, people are just like, why, who are, where, where are you here? Who are you? You know, you just kind of always got that vibe. So I like having that food delivery app kind of saved our lives, especially the second year when I uh, opted out of uh, team meals, um, which the travel secretary thought was selfish. Uh, but <laughs> other than that, I was like, if you can all be selfish all you want, if it means I don't have to eat the, really gonna miss eat the, the same eat the same food, I'm really not going to miss that guy one bit. <laughs> uh, you Would you ever go back? Yeah, I think so. Listen, I never left because I didn't like it or, um, you know, I had any ill thoughts or disagreements or anything. Like, I didn't go back because my four and a half year old really doesn't want me to. Mm -hmm. I didn't go back because my team didn't send me an offer that was just like, hey, you know, you, you, you have to come here. Like, this is just too good. You know, they just didn't do that this year. They probably were like, oh, we could try to get him to come back on a little bit less or, you know, we, you know, no, like I'm, I'm good. Like if, if you want me to come back, it's going to be this or that. And, um, I feel like we had a narrative to tell our son either way, just kind of like, you know, if, you know, he didn't want us to go, but if we had a narrative, we could just been like, Hey, you know what? Like we have to provide for the family. This is just what it's going to take to provide. Uh, but they didn't make us feel that like you know what they were doing was this offering us was so incredibly great that we had to be there and uh so we you know we stayed here but there's that's not not ill on them like i really have nothing against it and yeah of course i think we would uh we would definitely go back especially if it was just for a vacation and there was no 14-day quarantine <laughs> yeah you you're gonna go back right someday i mean even after retirement and stuff i'll go throw out to around south korea and well yeah but like go hang out in busan and all the different places that you still haven't experienced outside of a pandemic i think it would be think, super interesting to go back and check out i think it would be a really fun vacation in like 10 years when 
hopefully COVID is gone. I think that would be an awesome place to take Jackson when he's, you know, going into his age 15, take him back here, show him where he, show him where dad lived, show him where mom lived and where he lived. And here's the ballpark it played in and go around and show him all this stuff again. And hopefully he'll remember it. Cause um, I mean, he still remembers it now, but hopefully he'll remember it, you know, down the road. Cause it was a really cool experience. You know, I got a lot of joy watching all the stuff that like watching him experience those things for the first time. Um, but yeah, like whether for playing or for not, like, I don't see a reason why we wouldn't go back. Like I said, we have nothing against South Korea. We love it there. Yeah. And to kind of wrap up the conversation without getting overtly sappy or anything like that. I mean, it's, it was complicated, right? Like a lot of the steps have been along your journey. Oakland is complicated to a degree and Florida real complicated and Cincinnati, maybe the most straightforward San Diego, really shortly uh, complicated, right. In and out. And awkward. (laughs) This one, um, you got a lot of good things out of it. It feels like, I mean, maybe selfishly, I got good things. I got to talk to you on the podcast. Um, We got to have fun guests on. You got the eye of ESPN on you. You pitched some really, really good baseball. Um, And it was hard. It was a friggin' pandemic and it was family was tough and distance was tough and loneliness and a little bit depression and everything mixed in made this um, at the very least, a really interesting place to play baseball for a couple of years. And I would say it at the worst, it was extremely hard to play baseball. And at best it was fun and it was rebuilding and um, it was good. It was good for you. I'm just going to tell you it was good for you. Whether you think it is or not, uh, that's the diagnosis, Dan. Any last words to to the folks in South Korea before we wrap this thing up? Honestly, I just like I didn't meet anybody in South Korea that was rude. That was uh, well that I knew of anybody that was rude or just like completely just like frustrating to be around or anything like that. I loved my time there. We felt so welcomed there. We felt everything you want to feel. I felt like a superstar, which it's nothing that this journeyman's ever been before. And so that was a lot of fun. Um, and we will be forever grateful and forever thankful for all the people that we interacted with in South Korea. There it is. Another stop along the journey settled. And uh, with that, Dan, the next stop is just kidding. Just kidding. That'll wrap up this episode of The Journeyman. Thanks for hanging out with us. You can rate, review, subscribe wherever you're getting these podcasts. We would love to read your review aloud, especially on Apple Podcasts. Please go ahead and do so. Until then, we'll see you next time. Art for The Journeyman Podcast is by Spencer Fuller. Original music is by 3AM Dives.